Rapids fans, you are listening to Holding the High Line with Rabbi and Red. My name is Matt Pollard, and it is Monday, January 30th, 2023, the fifth anniversary of the pilot episode of this podcast. Happy birthday, HTHL. Darren Yappi is scoring goals in preseason left and right. Another wolf is on his way to the Rocky Mountains. Andreas Maxu is greater than Ronaldo Sue. And Chris Sharpie now is a fellow Aussie to eat Vegemite with. Joining me now to talk about all of the things my favorite MLS sicko in the whole wide world, Rabbi Mark Goodman. <laughs> I understood most of that. Hey, Matt, how's it going? Everything good with you? Yeah, I am. I am busy, Mark. Now that we're into the preseason, obviously, I, I can't make excuses now about work or other stuff with it being into the new year. We're you know two days away from it being into the month of February, so new projects are getting started as the infrastructure engineering industry comes out of its annual winter slumber. Uh, it has been butt cold. I don't know if you've been paying attention to the weather that we've had recently, Mark, but we're approaching setting records for snowfall and accumulation and accumulation on the ground of snow in the month of January. It was mostly single digits yesterday. It was five o'clock, five o'clock. It was, uh, it was five degrees Fahrenheit outside when I just went to, when I walked over to the local King Supers. Um, it is cold. It is wintry. The powder's been fantastic for skiing. I just haven't been really happy with the traffic, but we're less than a month away from the Rapids uh, kicking off their season. How are you, Rabbi? I'm pretty good. I think one of those things that you think about when the weather is unbelievably cold is I can't believe we're about to have a soccer season, but it's it's getting close. It's it's getting down to the wire um, where, you know, tomorrow, day after tomorrow is February 1st, which is the beginning of when uh, MLS's new deal on Apple TV starts. And that should be really interesting because we're going to start to finally see some content, hopefully, on Apple TV about MLS. Um, there's supposedly going to be some sort of like, you know, regular weekly show kind of thing. Um, they've also added a bunch of, uh, broadcasters to the list, um, including two that I really like, uh, uh, Tyler Terrence and Devin Kerr, who've done a lot of work in USL, uh, with US Open Cup and with CONCACAF Champions League. And I think that they're fantastic additions. There's always still a few folks that are left out that I'm bummed about, but Overwhelmingly, um, you know, we're into anticipation mode and um, that despite the chilly weather, we can still kind of see soccer blooming around the corner. Excellent stuff there, Mark. Two things that I want to say. I agree with you with the second round of hirings that we've had. Um, yeah, head on over to at MLS underscore PR, all caps on the on the letters, folks, for their list of the 31 talented on-air personalities that they've added. I was pleasantly surprised to see Danny Higginbotham on there, Mark. I've really liked him with what he's done with the Premier League and then a little bit. I think he's worked with Philadelphia Union in the past, so I'm happy to see that. A couple of other, you know, longtime MLS broadcasters who've been brought in, Adrian Healy, who was part 
part of the furniture over at uh, ESPN. And then Shep Messing, um, you know, a, a mention, uh, you know, somebody we'd love to have on this podcast to talk Red Bulls at some point, Mark, getting in and getting in on the studio side. I'm still wondering uh, a lot of the, including Richard Fleming, a number of broadcasters who were in the running, who've been told that they're out for sure, have come out and said it. Richard Fleming has. Uh, Glenn Davis, uh, who's been with the Houston Dynamo for over a decade now, Mark, he said that he didn't make the cut whatsoever. I know JP De La Camera is kind of an older guy and isn't big on Twitter, but we haven't him had him openly say, hey, I was interested, I interviewed, and like they told me no. How did JP De La Camera, how was he not the first name for me written in Sharpie on the list? So I'm wondering what's going on with him. I, I'm glad they added more people. I'm glad they added them when they do. I still wonder, Mark, are they a little short on talent? And I'm still curious about some of the individual personnel uh, situations, but we'll see on that. Stay tuned, folks, at Burgundy Wave com may or may not have gotten some information that may or may not be relevant that may or may not be coming out on Wednesday morning when everything launches that would be very relevant and analytical and inside baseball-y stuff on what's going on with Apple TV I don't know Mark maybe maybe not uh I'm just saying allegedly um Rabbi there's been some uh, speaking of streaming wars in soccer uh AFC Wrexham played a fantastic game over the weekend against Sheffield United in the fifth round of the FA Cup, ultimately ended up in a 3-3 draw. They'll play a replay back at Bramalanga at TBD when that's going to be determined. But Mark, you had a non-league team being super hyped up by ESPN, was on ESPN+. Plus. They did a whole 30-minute pregame show and everything with their usual talent that normally they would only do for a big matchup, usually between two top teams in the Premier League. They spent as much time previewing this match as probably they would have the Arsenal-Manchester City FA Cup match that happened recently. Or maybe it was Chelsea. You're the Arsenal guy, Mark. You tell me. And there was a decent backlash from MLS Twitter saying that you're promoting this non-league team that I'm not sure would be competitive in the USL Championship more than you ever promoted any MLS game. Where was this and all this stuff? And there was kind of an interesting back and forth on the why this is and how much of this is because of the documentary. As we go back to on this podcast mark we kind of talked about maybe not questioning in a negative way but kind of curious you know did uh did rob mcelaney and uh and ryan reynolds get together because they really wanted to do because they were bored during covid they watched sunderland till i die they watched one of the hbo uh, or the amazon all or nothings and they said i really want to get involved in one of those let's buy a soccer team to do that or let's do both but maybe focus more on the soccer team than the actual docu series part and I think it opens up an interesting conversation of the narrative and the story and the romanticism and the uniqueness of Wrexham, of this old post-industrial town in the middle of nowhere Wales, and it's forgotten about. And these two Hollywood celebrities come in and revitalize it, and there's all this goodwill around the club, and they're doing stuff to promote the local community. And it's this big mission to actually get promotion back into the football league proper, something that can't happen in Major League Soccer because it's a closed system and there's no pro-rel or anything like that. I guess it's through there with expansion, um, Mark. I'm still waiting to see the Sacramento Republic, you know, uh, docu-series that they're going to have about ultimately getting into MLS. I don't know that that's ever been in production or will be, and I don't know that Sacramento's making the next cut that they have, folks. I think it's going to be Vegas and San Diego in that order. 
but Mark, I think it uh, I think it points out the narrative that they've spun, the openness with which they've done the docu series, how they've created a narrative and an interest and a buzz around the club that MLS hasn't been open to for a number of reasons. Single entity wanting to maybe control the narrative. Mark, you and I talked what last podcast now about kind of the closed door system and what that's meant for independent media outlets and everything, and also the fact that so many of these stories are the same because they're franchises. The league's less than thirty years old, and so many of the stories are very similar and the fact is you don't have a bunch of old white billionaire men in america who dropped you know hundreds of millions of dollars to start an mls team are not the charismatic figureheads that you could have in the same way that you know two hollywood actors are but uh, mark i've talked a lot about this what was your reaction to this was there any resentment for you from an mls head standpoint and what have you made of the discourse that we've seen on social media in the week since so the the objection is valid about ESPN promoting their TV show or or the Wrexham thing more so than um, they should have they, they ever did with MLS and I think that that's a, a kind of a valid thing, um, but the broader question of why hasn't MLS captured the imagination, the hearts and minds, and the attention of American television viewers. Well, one, the show is a documentary with, um, you know, where you cut it and you turn it into a prepackaged story. So it's about a narrative. It's about a story. And so I compared it to, you know, like the great myths of American sport that are really exciting, like Bull Durham um, or like, you know, The Longest Yard. Uh, it, it's more about narrative and storytelling than it is about um, promoting a league and a team, right? Like it's hard to come up with a story for the Colorado Rapids in 2022 because we watched 34 games and the storylines were also, you know, there's not a lot of storytellers for the Colorado Rapids, right? You're a storyteller. I'm a storyteller. Brendan Plowen is a storyteller. Uh, uh, Joe Samuelson is a storyteller and the the team itself is a storyteller. And that's pretty much it. There's not a lot of people doing the work. And so that makes it hard to kind of pull out a narrative that's compelling and worthwhile. Um, there are, I think, valid storylines and really fascinating stories to tell about Major League Soccer, but there haven't been a lot of talented storytellers to tell them. Um, I don't think... The other thing that's very obvious about this all is there's something really exciting about a team in the fifth division trying to bang its way into the fourth division, which is a big deal in England. Um, so the pro-rel element can't be ignored. Whereas in the United States, we don't have any movement between the pyramid. Um, and that makes it a, a, a slightly different story, a less compelling story. You know, the only thing that would be similar is if a underdog never expected to win the league team like the Colorado Rapids won the league next year or the Houston Dynamo or Minnesota United, right? Teams that are not expected to do much next year, you know, mid-table or lower-table teams. Um, that would be a storyline, but it still wouldn't capture the American sports imagination like Leicester did uh, back in 2016 when they won the league. So there are there are reasons to be frustrated that Wrexham is gaining all this attention, but at the end of the day, they have a really good, compelling, compact, easily tellable story, and I have yet to see a great example of someone else who can point to something and say, MLS has this other great story to tell and they have a person to tell the story. So online I posted like 
I think there's at least 10 really amazing stories in Major League Soccer. They tend to be individual players with really great narratives or really great stories, but there's really no talented people out there to tell them. And you know who the best storyteller in um, American soccer was, Matt? It was Grant Wall. I mean, you know, we've lost, yeah, we've lost our best storyteller. Um, and so that makes it a lot harder to find what would make for a attention catching, um, you know, like Hollywood level movie. Two things that I want to, a few things that I want to point out in addition to that, Mark, there's been some backlash about the, this kind of proving the Euro snob narrative wrong. I don't know that that's true. It's not obvious to me, Mark, that the Real Madrid fan, the Manchester City fan, the guy who goes down to the Celtic every, you know, 38 times plus a year to go watch Arsenal, but has been to one Rapids game in the last five years, and it was the Arsenal versus Rapids friendly. It's not obvious to me that that person is the immediate welcome to Wrexham audience. I think there's a lot of existing soccer heads with a, a wide diversity that are into that watch the show and were very interested in the show. And I think there were a lot of people who are soccer curious or who were not curious about it who are more interested in the narrative about it you know similar to the uh, i would say mark in terms of the non-existing soccer fans i think they have more in common with the afc richmond fan afc richmond with the ted lasso audience than the original sunderland till i die audience so i don't know that that's true i think there is a valid point that you know again every single mls team i think is better than Wrexham, if we're looking at Paul Mullen, for example, Mark, who, as we know, is the best player on Wrexham, uh, Wrexham reportedly paid approximately a half million dollar transfer fee for him and his wages right now annually are right around a quarter of a million dollars. Mark, how many MLS, how many players on the Rapids right now in MLS would fetch 500K in GAM and make more than 300K in a year? And you could build out a starting 11 that is worth more than what Wrexham has paid for Paul Mullen. But I think, again, it's the narrative. You know, last chance you uh, is not particularly good athletic level players. You're talking now you're talking about very competent players who are good in high school, but you're talking about guys where there's a whole team of football players, you know, maybe what, 50 or 60 of them, I don't know, on a community college team, and four or five of them are going to get D1 offers. And then how many from any of those series that they've done, whether it's the basketball ones or the or the or the football ones have actually gone on to play professionally in their sport. Maybe one. I feel like if there was one, I would have heard about it right now. And most of those series are several years old to where those players would have henceforth graduated college by now. So I, I think it's about building a narrative and building an interest about those. And that comes from personalities. That comes from really good storytelling. And it comes from really good, unfiltered, uh, unedited, unaltered insider access that largely MLS has been a deterrent towards. <laughs> the other negative part that you have from any of these series, Mark, is inevitably somebody comes out looking like a donkey. You know, the uh, general manager, technical director you had in the first year from Sunderland till I die, you know, he leaves the club, you know, in ignominious state at the end of that season after they suffer relegation. And surprise, he hasn't worked a whole lot in football that much. There was a player in the Tottenham Hotspurs, all or nothing, who who 
uh, Jose Mourinho pointed out that he was worried about him with potentially giving away penalties against certain teams when they sat in deep and absorbed pressure. I can't remember the name of the player, but now every single time that player gives up a penalty, inherently, Premier League Twitter, Spurs Twitter, the opposing team's Twitter uh, fan base will come up and then point that out as well. Somebody always comes out looking like a donkey in this. You'll remember, Mark, the season two Sunderland Until I Die scene where Charlie Metvin's crying to replace the walkout song that they have and it's super cringe and looks like something out of the office and he's in a room with a bunch of people who know that he's cutting heads and you know firing people who don't agree with him and everything and so they're like the well I have to agree with this otherwise I'm gonna lose my job and it just looks super cringe of like the yeah we agree this is a great idea and the fans hated it and everybody hated it and the players didn't understand it and they changed tradition and everyone was upset somebody inevitably looks bad in this it's not obvious other than the player before the takeover who gets the red card that eliminates Wrexham from being in the playoff in the season before the takeover that anybody's come out looking like a butt in this one. But I think that's certainly a limiting factor. When you have gotten that inside stuff, well, it has been very good. It's usually been produced by the clubs themselves. You can look at uh, the Colorado Rapids producing the uh, the Elevate series, um, or it's produced by MLSsoccer.com, which again, at some point, as if you go high enough up the corporate ladder, someone in there is accountable to the marketing department in that regard. You know, the Elevate se- episodes that you had last season were generally very positive, but at no point did you really get get like a full in-depth like hey we're not in the playoff spots we've had a really disappointing season something bad has to happen when you have a Sunderland until I die when you have a all-or-nothing series they don't shy away from that it's hard to it's hard to be propaganda about a bad team when everything goes south in that way and so more access more narrative more interesting characters and more uniqueness of them I wrote Mark I'll, I'll put a link to this in the show notes if someone wants to read 3,000 words I wrote Back uh, in 2021, Mark, I did a what if MLS did a full 30 for 30 documentary series on Major League Soccer. And so for the uh, approximately 30 years for MLS, I pick a few years before MLS, obviously the 99ers and um, and 1994 for the World Cup. So I pick 30 years of America of recent American soccer. And for each year, I pick a uh, potential topic that could be for that year for the uh, for the 30 for 30 mark. And if you look at like clubs over the course of their history that maybe have an interesting narrative, you know, DC United gangbusters to start out league dynasty, but then RFK goes into array. And then now where there are they as a club? I think you could certainly do one about the arc of the Columbus crew first soccer civic stadium, save the crew. And then where they are now as well, maybe the Chicago fire with what they did in 1997, going out to Bridgeview, coming back and everything. But if you're going to do an all or nothing about any MLS team this year, Mark, other than really LAFC, probably, what are you going to focus on? Oh, there's some new players. Oh, we're trying to build character. We're trying to make the playoffs and try to win MLS cup. All of them are exactly the same. You can't compare that to the narrative that, uh, you know, that Wrexham has gone through over the course of their 150 years. And you can't compare that to their very unique, distinct story and everything. It's too uniform. It's too sanitized. A lot of that comes down to single entity with MLS. We talked way too much about this, Rabbi. Let us move on. Listeners, the Colorado Rapids have officially completed their preseason adventure to uh, Santiago de Carretero. They played their three preseason friendlies, all closed-door scrimmages against two 
second division sides in Mexico, as well as Cretro of Liga MX. Uh, the Rapids, Mark, I assume either today or tomorrow at time of recording are returning to Colorado. And then February 5th fans, they will arrive in Orlando for the second half of preseason. And they'll be leaving directly from Orlando to go to Seattle for their opening game on the 26th in MLS play. Uh, Mark, so their first preseason friendly was against Celaya. That was a 3-0 win for the Rapids. Darren Yapi with a brace and Diego Rubio with a goal. There was a goal fest against Minero. 5-3 win for the Colorado Rapids. Two goals for Goal Bassett. One for Rubio. Kevin Cabral draws a penalty and then scores himself. And then Sam Nicholson as well with a goal. Nicholson's dropped a few dimes as well there, Mark. And then the Colorado Rapids play their final preseason friendly on Sunday. Through 90 minutes, folks, it was a 1-0 win to the Rapids. Darren Yappi with the goal in that one, his third preseason goal. And then the two teams agreed to play an extra 30 minutes. It was effectively, folks, a half first team, half reserve team, 30-minute scrimmage, then a second 30-minute period of the same flipped with some of the roster, and then in extra time, or the third 30-minute period, if you want to think about it, was Corretero effectively versus a Rapids 2 side, and Corretero scores three goals through 90 minutes, a 1-0 win for the Rapids, through extra time, officially a 3-1 victory for Corretero. Mark, what stands out in that for all of you? Uh, are we on the? Are we officially on the Darren Yappy hype train? Nothing stands out for me, Matt. Nothing at all. And that's and that's because I can't see it. And so I'm still bitter about that. Um, I haven't really paid close attention to these matches, and the inability to see anything except the highlights means that I just can't evaluate it. I mean, it looked, it looked like a pretty small, low-key scrimmage. Um, the teams that we were playing just didn't, in very short little clips that we were able to see, didn't look particularly good um it didn't look like a very serious uh high level training and of course it's so early it's just really hard to take anything from these things so i'm trying to take nothing from them i hate to rain on your parade we rarely disagree matt you and i rarely really have strong disagreements like for instance you have impeccable taste in soccer jerseys you're i think that's a galatasaray is that right Right on the nose. I got to get props for that. Um, all I saw was the colors and uh, like the corner of the uh, of the badge. But like we agree on so many things, Matt. But this is one area where we slightly disagree, which is I don't even know if we disagree that much. You can say if you take this uh, to mean a whole lot, but I'm just not taking anything from these results, mostly because I can't see them. And if I could watch the formations, if I could watch the movement, if I could watch. Where so I don't even know where most of these players are playing, right? They roll out a, a lineup of 11 players, and I kind of have to guess, like, I think he's playing at left back, but it's possible they're playing him at a center back. I don't know, and we won't know until the first game of the MLS season because they're not going to show us. And maybe that is the whole point, Mark, because they don't want to give up anything away. You know, we have as much information as the Seattle Sounders do. And then therefore, Mark, if we're making guesses here, Brian Smetzer doesn't know absolutely what Robin Fraser and company are going to do. So a few things that we can point out, Mark, um, I'll start with uh, injury news. Brian Galvan has been pretty active and has been involved in these friendly. So has Ollie LaRoz, albeit mostly when there's been a line change in, in the reserve role. And then we've also seen Jackson Travis similarly at that tier with the team or when... 
Uh, some of the Rapids 2 and Academy uh, camp invitees are invited. That's also when Jackson Travis is involved as well. So, Mark, I think it's pretty safe to assume those guys are mostly out of their rehab. I am trying to get an official statement from the club, Mark, as to whether or not, from a training standpoint, are they fully participating in team training or are they doing any rehab? But the fact that those three players who were out for a really long time last season are playing in these preseason friendlies, that tells me that they're pretty much uh, they're getting good to go. Uh, we have not seen Mark Abubakar Keita yet in any one of these preseason friendlies. He is in camp with the team. Is he down there doing mostly rehab? Is he doing some activities but just hasn't played in a preseason friendly? Is that a reflective of his form or the fact that he's still rehabbing his knee injury from last season? TBD, I'll try to get information and tweet that out for you good folks. And also, Mark, I, I would I think it's very safe to assume that uh, Yaya Torre also is still firmly in the rehab camp as well. But <clears throat> good signs that Galvan's good to go, Laraz is good to go, and Jackson Travis certainly is on that way, though. But though I'd assume, Mark, with the signing today that we'll get to in a few minutes, Jackson Travis probably looking at another full season as the starting left back for Rapids 2. So that's one thing. Second thing I'll point out, Mark, I, I got um, – we've seen – Rabbi, we've all been doing the uh, here's our starting 11 uh, for what we'd like the Rapids to look like. And in mine, I have mostly had Diego Rubio up top as the number nine. The biggest pushback that I've gotten on there is people thinking that it should be Calvin Harris. I think that's interesting now that Darren Yappi scored three goals and Harris has yet to been on the score sheet for the Rapids. When Harris has come on, folks, in these three preseason friendlies, he's not been with the what you would call a close to first team lineup in the two games they had against Celaya and Mineros, the two second division Mexican teams. They started kind of a hybrid lineup and then around the 30th minute or at halftime, the Rapids subbed in first team players and then effectively to start the second half or in the middle third of the game is when you would have seen the closest thing to a first team lineup. Calvin Harris was not involved as that a whole lot, which tells me, Mark, that he's somewhere behind or we're seeing something different. On that note, if I'm guessing, Rabbi, where I think Kevin Cabral is going to line up. It's usually he's usually been in when there's been another winger who's clearly playing on the right, and Diego Rubio's also been in the field. Um, so is that an indication that there's going to be like a uh, maybe almost a four four two or a three five two setup, and then it's Cabral and somebody else? We saw that with Barrios and at times Shinyashiki in 2021 under Robin Frazier. It's not obvious to me that Kevin Cabral is the center forward in a front three lineup either, whether or not Diego Rubio is playing in a midfield role or a false nine or playing behind Kevin Cabral. We can't really tell from what the combined five minutes of footage we've gotten, Mark, of the 390 minutes plus the extra 30, which would, what, come out to 210 minutes of play that the Rapids have had. So that's another valid question that we have. Um, Brian Smetzer, if you're listening to this, those are my two cents um, on that. Um, but so uh, I think Kevin Cabral is either, uh, it's there's either something interesting going on formationally or Kevin Cabral is a left winger which I'm fine with Mark personally um, and then we've also seen I've been pleasantly surprised at how much playing time Sam Nicholson's gotten I feel like Mark you and I most Rapids fans were a little underwhelmed with his return to the club last season and we're assuming that he was making up the numbers or that something else was happening at right wing with Kevin Cabral coming in. Maybe that's a platoon situation between Nicholson and Barrios. Maybe Jonathan Lewis gets played on his off wing now that Kevin Cabral, if he's comfortable on the left wing position. But I don't know that either of us, Mark, were expecting 2000 minutes from Sam Nicholson, you know, 10, um, you know, 10 goal contributions or anything. But he's gotten minutes regularly and he's been contributing, which is a pleasant surprise for moi. I was just going to say Sam Nicholson um, is getting uh, – so 
former Rapids broadcaster Richard Fleming has tweeted out his lineup, and he thinks that Sam Nicholson is either starting or backup right wing, uh, right back, uh, in a 5-3-2 or 3-5-2, depending on you look at it, formation, which is really interesting because there was um, chatter in the offseason from Matt Doyle that maybe... Uh, it made sense for Sam Nicholson to be converted into a fullback, either a left back or a right back. And I think those are all options. Um, the reason that you would do that with, with the Rapids is to move Keegan Rosenberry inside. Rosenberry hits, uh, is, is 29 years old as of the beginning of this season. So um, he's a really excellent defender, but uh, whether he can get up and down at the speed and pace that the team needs him to is a good question. Um, but that being said, now that the team has added, I'm not going to spoil what we're going to get to later in a minute, Matt, but now that the team has added a few players, particularly in defense, um, maybe that's being rethought. So we'll see. We, we, we really don't know what Sam Nicholson's role with this team will be. Right now, I'm thinking Swiss Army Knife, right? A guy who can come in and really play almost any position, either wing as an inverted winger on the left side, either fullback position. Um, he probably also could do a little bit of duty inside as a midfielder if he needed him to, although he's mostly a wide player. So, uh, Gringo, arm tattoo sleeve, uh, Nicholas Mosquito. I think I would be totally fine with Sam Nicholson having that role, Rabbi. <laughs> yeah, that's not, a, I didn't know where you were going with that at first, but I really do like that idea. And, um, I think you and I are both, uh, unfortunately biased towards Sam Nicholson because he's such a wonderful interview. And a, and a colorful player, um, but we we want him to succeed with the team. I'll just add one more thing, which is because he's on his second go with the team, I think we default to automatically thinking he's some sort of senior statesman. Um, he's only uh, 28 years old. He just turned 28. Um, so I think uh, he, he's still got a lot of gas in the tank. Yeah. Um, anything else specifically about preseason that's happened, Mark, specifically about what took place in Mexico, or do we want to move on? It's hard. I mean, you know, we, we've seen them roll out like every player on the roster, as you kind of mentioned, there's just a lot of players who've gotten run. Um, the one interesting thing there is the team was rumored to be looking for a backup goalkeeper and they came up blanks. And so that meant that whenever the team, you know, spent 30 minutes or 45 minutes with one goalkeeper they switched over to Abe Rodriguez and so right now that's really interesting that they brought him to Mexico and he's getting starts and I think actually he might be one of the most a lot of players are going down there I think uh Robin Frazier and Porrick Smith have a pretty good idea of who they think will be the starting 11 on opening day I think they obviously know that uh William Yarborough will be the starter at goalkeeper but I do think the player with the most to prove in preseason in these six games is Abrod, um, because he will get a lot of time and he may be able to convince someone that the team does not need to go out and work really hard to get a prominent number two or even a number one goalkeeper to bump him back. I think he needs to I think he is making a case in this preseason that he should be the presumptive backup for the Colorado Rapids. That was my assumption, that they thought that he was going to be good enough to be a backup. Um, but, you know, I, I think because they pursued someone in the offseason as a either first string or backup goalkeeper, Patrick Pence, who ultimately wound up in the Bundesliga, um, Abrod has a lot to prove. 
Last question that I will throw to you, Rabbi. I know we haven't seen any film study, but simply based on a player getting uh, getting tweeted out that they subbed in and anything, any of the Rapids 2 guys or former you know Academy invitees, the names that kind of caught your eye in terms of the, oh, this guy was getting minutes, you know, with the team in preseason or anything. That's interesting. Any, any thoughts there? Uh, so I, uh, I want to get his name right because I feel uh, bad about it. Uh, the Japanese player for R2, um, Yosuke? Yosuke Hanya. Hanya. I was going to say Honda, but I, that was wrong. I knew that was wrong. So thank you for fighting that. Um, yeah, Yosuke Hanya has been getting apparently rave reviews. He's gotten a lot of minutes. Um, it's a it's a steep thing to to say that he's going to make it onto the team, um, but I think there's a possibility. <clears throat> the biggest impediments for him are twofold. One, I believe he's an international player, um, and two, the roster's full, so they have to make some moves in order to make that happen. There are ways of doing that. Um, there are a number of players who um, the Rapids could loan out um, or who could, I think even younger players they could put on Rapids too, who the Rapids wouldn't lose the rights to them um, if they moved them down. So like, I think Oliver LaRaz could be taken off of the senior roster, put onto the, on the Rapids two roster without him having to go through what other players who are on the top 20 roster um, would have to go through, which is passing through waivers. Um, and there's a couple other players like that. Jackson Travis might be another one of those, um, uh, and so on. So I think, um, that gives a little bit of wiggle room for the Rapids to play with. The other option the Rapids have is they've got a lot of guys on that senior roster who aren't going to get enough minutes to be happy. And it would probably be better for Porrick Smith to sit down with them in the preseason and say, you know, we've got too many defenders, We've got too many midfielders. Some of you are only going to be getting a few minutes. Maybe you'd be happier playing with another team or in the USL. So um, there's there's wiggle room to be made, but it, it's it's a difficult it's a difficult thing. That's the player that I think uh, there's the most shine on right now. Did you have any other thoughts of players who are getting a lot of buzz? Uh, no, I I agree with you there, Mark. Um, the the question I have now, and we'll come to this in a minute now, folks, with the signing today of Alex. Gershback, um, the Colorado Rapids have 29 roster spots filled, and that is without, that's keeping in mind that three of those are allocated specifically for goalkeeper. Mark, you cannot have a MLS roster, you can't have an MLS midfield with 30 designated midfielders. Three of those are allocated for goalkeepers. The Rapids only have two goalkeepers on the roster, so that 30th spot has to go to the third goalkeeper, effectively probably backing up William Yarbrough. There are ways to obviously move around that mark. They could loan out players to Rapids 2, as you mentioned. Um, There's some... I, I think it's a matter of salary as to whether or not a player could be loaned to a USL team. And then if the Rapids are no longer financially responsible for them in that the USL team, I think it's picking up the full wages and everything. And that player can, then can be removed from the roster from that standpoint. But th- there's some red tape that has to be pulled within that mark. I, Rapids 2 has to be much better this season simply because there's going Can't to be, be some first team players coming down there. And about, obviously a bunch of academy players improving as well. Mark, I would expect, I wouldn't be shocked at this point if you're looking at Daniel, uh, maybe 
if the Rapids want to play a back three at the MLS Next Pro level, you're looking at Daniel Chacon, Moise Bombito, and then whichever one of the guys isn't regularly the backup to the potential three starting center backs you have with uh, Maxu, Abubakar, Rosenberry, and Wilson, I guess, if we're naming four of those as well. That defense has to be much, much better. And then I have to imagine at least one of the seven possible starting midfielders they have is just going to be bulldogging it in the midfield as well next to Hanya. So, no, it's it's an interesting question. There's some roster finagling that has to happen. Uh, like you said, I think there's there's going to have to be some disappointing conversations that happen, I think, in the next two weeks where Robin Frazier and um, Pork Smith talk and, you know, tell some players that they're probably not going to get a whole lot of first team minutes. And then there's a conversation of, do you want to fight, continue to fight for your spot? And I'm okay with that. If a player says that, if a player thinks that they need to be in rhythm to ultimately be of service and useful when the time comes for the first team, I think it's Rapids 2. And for some of the players who I think rightfully would feel that they're better than Rapids 2 at this point, I think it's a question, do they look for an opportunity in USL? I think Mike Edwards is the point, Mark, with what we've seen from him for the switchbacks, walking into the starting 11 for a playoff team in the USL championship this year. I don't know that him playing for what might still be a kind of bad team in Rapids 2 would be worse if he can go to a really good USL team and be starting potentially for a team that's legitimately challenging for a championship. I'm just spitballing ideas, but let's move on. Uh, Mark, uh, we should plug our stuff because we talked about it in the last pod. Uh, soccer sports media is in a precarious position. I am still trying to figure out what the future is going on with Burgundy Wave, folks. As I mentioned on the last show, I'm going to do everything in my power to retain its existence and the presence and relevance and importance it has within the Colorado Rapids community. But Rabbi, you and I do podcasts and we have Twitter profiles and we have a Substack, and there are ways for you to support us and help us going in a sustainable way here at Holding the Highline. Holding the Highline is sponsored by you, the Highline listeners. So become a uh, paid member of the Highliners Club. You can help support our podcast by uh, signing on to our Substack and supporting it. Um, we'll take uh, we 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 take a monthly. Uh, if you'd like to just contribute ten dollars um, for a month or two, just to help us out. Um, if you'd like to sign on for a whole year of listening on to this podcast and getting all of the in front of the scenes and behind the scenes action. Matt just posted today a really great old um, vintage audio from uh, the, 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 the secret files of holding the Highline. Um, we're going to drop some more of that kind of stuff in the future. Uh, and we also want to give our um, readers and our listeners the opportunity to read uh, the good stuff for free, knowing that you help, it, you help to make it possible by becoming a subscriber. So go to our uh, holdingthehighline.substack.com, click become a subscriber, um, get the Holding the Highline uh, Substack dropped right into your email uh, every single Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday when it comes out. Um, and in addition, uh, add a little bit of money uh, donating by the month or by one big swell foop to the cause and help us to defray the cost of traveling the games um, buying camera equipment, paying for podcast hosting fees, and for our time, sweat, equity, and labor in writing these amazing, brilliant, wonderful stories. Folks, as we talked about at the beginning of the show, there's not a lot of folks telling soccer stories. There's even fewer people telling Colorado Rapids soccer stories. In fact, I named all four of us just at the beginning of this podcast. So um, if you love what we're doing, 
uh, and you want it to continue, um, just stick a little bit of money in the kitty so that we can go out and get a pint every once in a while, and so that I can pay for the gas money to go and cover the games um, away for our team. I'm looking forward to at least two away games this year, including my first ever trip to Columbus to watch the Colorado Rapids on Wednesday, May 31st. That's that's my plan. Matt, don't tell my boss. I haven't had it approved yet by the corporate higher ups. Uh, I don't I won't tell nobody, Mark. Uh, and you are making you've made I'm, some I'm going to be <laughs> sick that day. You've made some very brave decisions, Rabbi, by deciding I live in Pennsylvania. I want to go watch some MLS. The best way for me to do that is to go to the god awful place that is the state of Ohio. But um, <laughs> love it. Yes, uh, and Mark, you you did you did forget I was I, you were on a roll at the moment the first time, so I didn't want to interrupt. Uh, DNVR Sports, DNVR Rapids. Oh, also. absolutely. I don't know the guys. I don't know the guys there, but we're really excited. They started a podcast. They're start. They they don't really do written content, if I'm not mistaken, but they're doing a podcast, which is great. Um, and the website, the bar, and the merchandise that DNVR are putting out is fantastic. I'm really happy that they create really good merch because we can't hold the candle to it. We'll try and do something down the road, I promise. But, um, you know, um, they're doing the, the best stuff in the world, and, and we're really proud of them. So well done, guys. Keep it up. Wasn't I supposed to do a beer glass last year, Mark? We 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 te- we teased a beer glass, but we never got around to it. Maybe maybe we'll try for it this. All year. right, listeners, we're doing a beer glass at some point in done. calendar year twenty twenty three. Done um, and done. Yes, and it will be at a discount and or possibly free for you if you are subs- an annual subscriber to Holding the Highline Substack. Um, so let's get into the signings, Mark. We'll start chronologically, even though ultimately we're starting with some news that's now over a week old. Connor Ronan signing from Wolverhampton Wanderers, a midfielder coming in to join the Colorado Rapids. Liam Keane of the Express and Starmark reported that it was roughly a half million dollar pound fee for Ronan. That comes to when I wrote the article at the time, the conversion rate was uh, uh, $619,000 USD. Uh, signs a four-year deal with a team option, so guaranteed through 2026, and then a team option for the 2027 season. He is 24 years old, mostly a central midfielder. If you look at his statistics, Mark, from an advanced analytics, from an FB ref standpoint, key thing that stands out is his passing ability, his long balls, his think about that 20 to 25 yard dime that we saw Johan Blomberg drop and everything. And then also his mid-range passing as well. Um, He wasn't really set up during his time in the games that he's played to play a lot of due to a lot of physicality. So maybe that is artificially deflating some of his numbers. He doesn't necessarily look like a midfielder who's going to get stuck in, but if you look at Wolves media and everything, Mark, based on people who would have followed him in the academy and certainly during his time in the English Championship, which would have been two years with uh, Jack Price when he was just coming out of the academy in 2016-2017 and then 2017 into 2018, where he played just seven games across those two seasons, Mark, but I think it's pretty clear he was not a Premier League player, uh, had a flurry of loans out to various places in League One, in the third division in England, and the two places that he played the most, Mark, would have been his most two recent seasons. First, in the Swiss Challenge League, that's the second division in Switzerland, folks, with Grasshopper, former club of which Albanian international Rapids designated player, Mark? Gelsengashi? Yes, he played 30 games for uh, for huh. Grasshopper in there, scoring one goal and two assists. And then most recently, Mark, he was a regular starter for St. Mirren in the Scottish Premiership. 26 games played, seven goals and three assists in that one. Um, but obviously, St. Mirren, Mark, not one of the 
uh, of the teams that I would get excited about for a player <laughs> coming from Scotland to MLS. There's two, obviously, that I would be very excited and interested and want to dig very deep in, Mark. And then there's two other ones that I would be equally curious about as well. Uh, those four, obviously, in order, folks, would be Celtic and Rangers, Celtic and Rangers, and then um, would be Hearts and Hibs. And at times, Aberdeen. I know Christian Ramirez, Mark, I think is coming from Aberdeen, question mark, to Columbus Crew, former Minnesota United striker, I believe. But in any case, so... You know, now the the interesting thing here, Mark, it's a very similar trajectory to Jack Price, where you're talking about certainly older than uh, you know, Ronan was a teenager when uh, uh, when Wolves got promotion, but obviously Price would have been in his early 20s. He was a starter regular in the championship, had a bunch of loans out where he played regularly in the lower divisions throughout England, and then came to MLS when it was pretty clear that he wasn't going to get a chance with the team in the Premiership. Pretty obvious there was no future for Ronan other than the occasional FA Cup or Carabao Cup match for Wolverhampton and then did he want to go somewhere else in England or did he maybe want a new adventure and then a soft landing spot I have to imagine him being an Irish youth international that Porrick Smith played with somebody in beer league or knows somebody at the academy level who has a good beat on what Ronan was like as a young player coming out of Ireland I have to believe that there's a very good character understanding from who he was as a young player from the captain Jack Price I have to think that this is this is such a similar trajectory in terms of the timing of the move and his pedigree to what Jack Price was, and I have to believe the club has done their homework on this. The only real question I have, Mark, is where he's fitting in the midfield and what nuanced differences you have, because the most comparable the player that you have currently on the Rapids is Cole Bassett. I know Cole Bassett's not coming back pissed off from his year in the Netherlands to sit on the bench because they signed an English kid, because they, excuse me, because they signed an English kid who's an Irish international. Maybe they're paired together. I, I think there's an interesting conversation. If you want to go three-man midfielder on the road at Seattle and just be a destroyer, you put Price with Brian Acosta and then Ralph Prizzo in front of the two of them, and then on the front foot, you just want to be dinging balls left and right to the fullbacks, to the wingbacks, to everybody, and just put the other uh, the opponent under siege. You would want pass happy Bassett, Ronan, and Price. Rabbi, your thoughts? Um, you know, I'm a little bit wait and see with a lot of these new players. I was a little surprised that the team was going to go out and get a. Midfielder, I kind of thought the midfield was sorted, especially with Diego Rubio being a really effective attacking midfielder last season. So I kind of thought that the midfield was going to look like Rubio as a false nine, uh, kind of uh, forward attacking 10, um, with Cole Bassett behind him as a pure number eight, and Jack Price playing as the, the kind of Ridgies to six. Um, adding Connor Ronan to the mix to me, and this is, I think, counterintuitive, and I think a lot of Rapids fans are going to be surprised by this. I just think Ronan is a bench option at this point. He's young. He's he's uh, kind of interning. Um, the, the only reason that I might be wrong on that completely is the possibility that um, Cole Bassett really hasn't earned or held a spot in the midfield. The team is not assuming he's ready to come back and um, set the world on fire at midfield. So that's my take on Connor Ronan. Um, he'll he'll experience, whether he starts or he comes off the bench, he'll experience some adjustment issues when it comes to MLS. I think you did a fantastic job of breaking down everything that he is, um, a guy who 
was supposed to break through in the Premier League and never did. It just kept getting loan after loan after loan to other teams. Um, to that end, he reminds us a little bit of Danny Wilson, who started in the Premiership and really never, um, you know, locked it down there. Um, but of course, uh, if you go back a little bit in time, you get to uh, Nana Boateng, who was property of Manchester City, but never played a minute for Manchester City, spent all of his time uh, being loaned out, uh, looked really good for Stromgod set in, I think, the Swedish first division. But uh, realistically, that's not a comp. And I think that's the other challenge with Connor Ronan. He's young, he's talented. If you show the videos with the techno music in the background and the dropping dimes and all the so on, it sounds really great. Great, But then when you also note that he played in the Swiss League, the Scottish League, and the Slovakian League, you don't have as much confidence in whether the results will translate to Major League Soccer. So that's why I think I'm expecting Ronan to get between 1,000 and 1,500 minutes, mostly in relief duty, while he adjusts to MLS. But he signed on a contract through 2026, so we've got a little bit of time to figure out whether he's going to turn out to be the real deal Holyfield or whether we find out that we're suckers and fools, you know how I feel. Second player that the Rapid signed chronologically, Mark, was uh, Danish center back Andreas Maxu is how it is pronounced there, folks. Uh, he is a designated player center back, Mark, 28 years old. Uh, he signed a three-year deal plus one. I'll get to the um, – uh, first of all, I want to shout out some – Bronby IF content creators, Mark, since we're <laughs> shouting that out. First of all, uh, Toke Thialade from the Vilfort Park uh, reached out to Burgundy Wave and did his very own preview and feature on him. And then over on DNVR Rapids, they spoke to Nana Carlson as well to talk about him. Mark, everybody at Bronby absolutely loves this guy. He was in the academy. He went out, went on a little bit of a European walkabout. He was in Turkey. He was in Germany. He was in Switzerland. He comes back to Bronby. He's a captain for the team. He's one of the star players that leads them to winning the title as one of the two big clubs that you have in the Danish Superliga, along with local rivals FC Copenhagen. He wins Bromby Player of the Year. He's regularly in conversations for best 11 in the Superliga. They like the fans have an amazing chant for him. They absolutely love him, but also they're semi facing a relegation battle. Mark, they're in the so the the way it works for some of these middle tier European leagues, folks, is that there's the the first round of the first half of the season, an apertura, if you will, where everybody plays home and away in a league of like twelve to maybe twenty or something, and then after that it gets divided in half, and then there's a round robin of the lower half that fight for the relegation situation, and the upper half that then fight for European qualification, ultimately the title. Bronby is probably going to finish in the lower half one mark, but they have a very good record against the two teams below them, and it's only the bottom two teams that automatically get relegated. There's no relegation playoff or anything like that. So you'd figure Bronby gets put into a group where they play all the bad teams that they have a good record against. They're going to be better. Maxu was out of contract at the end of the season. It looks like the time had come up. He had won everything that he was going to win at Bronby. They had won the league title. They had played in Europe and everything. 
everything. He was ready for a new challenge. The club was kind of ready to let him go and everything and wanted to facilitate that in a positive way. And the fans don't seem to be bitter about his departure at all whatsoever, Mark, which seems to be really, really nice in that. Um, he did have a buyout clause, Mark. I originally reported this on Twitter that it was 2 million euros. I'm now hearing it was closer to 1.5 million euros. And the transfer fee, it looks like it is a million euros or less, probably much, much less. I would not be surprised, Mark, between the three players that we're talking about, the 619k USD for Connor Ronan and then Maxu and Gershback and everything. I would not be shocked if that total, the, the three transfer fees combined, is somewhere between 1.5 and 2 million dollars USD. Those are three deals that in a vacuum are underrated are are discount prices for the players that you're coming based on the people who followed and covered him in the fans based on what they think their valuations are it is also a very clear intent based on the timing of the of the signings that the rapids wanted to get their business done early it's also very clear to me mark that the club is spending the money that they're getting from apple and or the new shirt sponsorship with uc health and where that money is going as well, which is absolutely fantastic. But um, Mark, what have you seen from the highlight reels that we've seen from Max Sue? And is this secretly the DP center back that the Rapids were hoping Tommy Smith or Danny Wilson was going to turn into? I think that's well said. And, and and I can't tell you too much about the player. I do know what the player, the team hopes him to be. And from where he's been playing at the level he's been playing, what they expect, which is that... Um, a lot of fans were basically clamoring for the fact that we did not have three reliable center backs who could get the job done this year. Um, uh, Abubakar Keita, with his injury last year, was completely on the shelf, but he was the guy that we were really hoping for. Uh, Lalas Abubakar and Danny Wilson together, neither of them had the open field um, uh, tackling ability neither of them uh, Danny Wilson great distribution but slow afoot Lalas Abubakar some really bad emergency defending um at the last minute um when you take some of the pressure off by bringing on another guy who could really do a few of those things um y- you may you may be rounding out a really good uh defense uh now uh that we have for next year the Rapids had the 13th out of 14th uh most goals uh, conceded last year in the Western Conference. So they needed to shore up the defense. And I think that they did that with with Andres Maxu. Um, one other thing, and I'll just say, and this is really in the fun facts department, Matt noted that he was loaned out in 2019-2020 to a team in the third di- division of the Bundesliga Matt, do you remember the name of the team he was loaned to? I swear to God, folks, I am looking at my Twitter notifications right now. I am not looking at his transfer market or Wikipedia page. Yep. Rabbi, I have no idea. It was KFC Uerdingen. Do you know who else played for KFC Uerdingen in 2019-2020, who was formerly of the Colorado Rapids? Is it Stefan freaking Eigner? Stefan Eigner. No! <laughs> played on the same team as Andres Maxu. Maxu had that season 450 minutes 
and Eigner had the fewest minutes of anybody on that team at the age of 31. He clocked, he played two games, 180 minutes. So that is one of the first questions we should ask him at training. What's Stefan Eigner like when he's not uh, pouting and whining about his playing? Maybe he was pouting. When, when, when he's not being the bigger out. jerk in a battle between two jerks who weren't adjustable or willing to work <laughs> together between him and Anthony Hudson. I don't know where I heard that, Mark. I'm just making stuff up. I think I think Maxu will be a great addition to this team. Um, he's he's a veteran player. He's uh, he's going to be turning twenty nine this year. Um, and I think the only challenge, of course, is he is a DP, which means he's got to earn his money. But the last thing I'll say is, Matt, correct me if I'm wrong. Am I mistaken that this is the first time in club history the Colorado Rapids have had three designated players on the roster at the same time? Who's the third that you're thinking of? Are we assuming Price is a DP right now? So Price was a DP last year, um, and the assumption is he'll stay a DP unless the money, it, unless it makes financial sense to, instead of making him a DP, turn him into a TAM-level uh, uh, player. Um, but that's a level of mathematics and accounting that only Porrick Smith is capable of. So it's possible that right now the Colorado Rapids have Kevin Cabral, uh, Jack Price and uh, Andres Maxu as three DPs, which is pretty exciting if it's true, but maybe it's not true. If it is true, Mark, I believe it's the first time that the Rapids have had all three DP roster spots filled. I believe Maxu would be the first, uh, I'll just say officially listed defender, certainly the Definitely. first center back designated player of the Colorado. He, well, Definitely. he's not the first defensive one because we count a goalkeeper as a we defensive player. Yes. So um, amongst field player, between midfielder forward and uh, attacker or striker, winger, um, Maxu would be the first defender officially listed that the Rapids would have had as a designated player. Um, Mark, I know we haven't gotten the updated roster rules and regulations, but at the time in the past, there was a stipulation that teams that had all three DPs had to like pay a very menial, I think it was like 25K in GAM to be distributed amongst the teams that did not have all three I think it's a little higher, but it, but you're right. It's 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 uh, it's enough that that they have to crunch the numbers to see whether it makes more sense to spend it as Tam or keep him as a DP. Yeah, but so there there was a point there where it made absolute sense for the Rapids to just pay down a player a hundred gam if they got a hundred and fifty gam back by simply not filling all three DP roster slots. I don't know. We haven't normally those roster rules and regulations, folks, aren't officially updated and released to the public. I assume Pork already knows what they're probably going to be. They'll come out in like three weeks. That's that's why they always the, the the rules the rules that take effect on February twenty fifth are usually released to the public on February twenty fourth. Yes. So um. <laughs> so maybe that's the thing. So the. the it's a good question, Rabbi. I think the I think the club will ultimately do if there is a net benefit at some point in that decision making process that even nets a hundred k. I assume Pork has looked into that, and then Fran Taylor has double checked his math, and then somebody else on the club has double checked his math, and they're going to do whatever's going to get them an extra twenty five k in gam. If that ends up being that Jack Price is the DP, great. If that ends up being that Jack Price isn't a DP, great. When Darren Yappi scores four hundred goals this season for the team the Rapids can sign him to a seven-year contract and make him a DP striker and then Manchester City can buy him for 400 million euro in five years with the Colorado Rapids if they can make a deal to get 25,000 in GAM and make uh the Vancouver Whitecaps promise to stock the um soda machine for free all year (laughs) they will make that deal 
that's a that's a reference, folks, uh, uh, to a uh, a movie. Uh, Google it and see if you can figure yeah, it. Yeah, I don't I don't know that we want soda, Mark. What would we? We want like a quintessential like Colorado. Okay, Rabbi, I would totally I. I would, I would trade a player that I like right now if it meant that GB Fish and Chips and the Mini Donuts come back and the other team is paying for it. I, I would trade. Say, I was gonna say post game therapeutic edibles for the entire team uh, for for the year. I would trade. Uh, we love Sam Nicholson, Mark. I would trade Sam Nicholson back to Minnesota United <laughs> right now if the Rapids got comparable value on Gam and Adrian Heath agreed that Minnesota United would pay to get GB Fish and Chips and the Mini Donuts back. I was never. I, I never had the patience to wait in the Mini Donuts line. I'll be honest. But it's so worth it, Rabbi. Don't know. Also, Never you could also you could have just gotten there early. It's not like I get there less than an hour and a half early for games because the media entrance is open. Matt, we did this podcast enough for you to know that I live across the street from GB Fish and Chips. I didn't need to, <laughs> I didn't need to go to a TSGP game to have the fish and chips. And also, I was a regular there on Sunday because free fish and chips for your kids or half price fish and chips for your kids. I my my children grew up on GB's fish and chips. That's why their cholesterol is so high. Ah, uh, wonder, wunderbar. <laughs> okay, uh, rabbits for in legion. Uh, let us know how whatever scran you have is on on March fourth for the home opener. Um, and then feel free to uh, tweet or DM us uh, live updates on the Dippin' Dots line, since that might be the. Uh, it might be cold. Maybe no Dippin' Dots, Mark. Let's wait. Fourth of July Dippin' Dots line would be something I'd be interested in. Uh, so last thing I want to say on this, Mark, if you're just looking at the, the the players that played typically for the Rapids last season at various positions, we love Nicholas Mosquita, Colin Warner, obviously we understood what he was and wasn't, and ultimately an out-of-form Mark Anthony Kay were regulars in a midfield that is now stocked by, you know, an improved and slightly out of position, but still very good Diego Rubio, a healthy and raring to go Jack Price, Connor Ronan, who potentially is reuniting with one of his buddies and is looking to prove a point and get set up, Cole Bassett, who's certainly coming back from the Netherlands with revenge energy, hungry Ralph Prizzo and Ali LaRoz, who are looking to properly break into the first team. And then worst case scenario, Mark, you've got Brian Acosta, who again is a midfield SOB as well. Those are seven midfielders, Mark, I feel like are as good or better than whatever the Rapids were playing last year. Similarly, you've got Maxo, maybe um, Wilson and Abubakar return, you know, bounce back, you know, uh, progress to their mean of where they have been as players in terms of in the prime of their career. Maxu obviously an upgrade at that position. And I still have to think, Mark, internally between the five center backs you have, Mike Edwards, Abubakar Keita, Gustavo Viasia, Daniel Chacon, Moise Bambito, there is a future reliable good MLS starting center back amongst that group as well. And you compare that to what they had last year where obviously Wilson was down, Abubakar was getting exposed, Rosenberry a little bit uncomfortable playing out of position. Maybe he's more comfortable in a second year trying that out, especially if it's a back five with wing backs in front of him. Um, and then certainly a, and certainly, um, you know, last year Austin Trusty was checked out mentally in which I don't think that Maxu is going to be. With that, Mark, let's get to our last signing that we have for the Colorado Rapids, Alex Gershback. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Coming over from Grenoble Foot 38 is the name of the club in League 2, the second division in France, folks. He is 25 years old. He signs a 3-plus-1, just like Maxu. All three of these players are international players, folks. Uh, no Tam, as far as I know, being used on Ronan or um, Gershback. Well, maybe Tam on Ronan, Mark, given... Well, wait, didn't we'll Tam go out. away? Isn't Tam now just discretionary, Gam? 
So, uh, yeah, so so to remind us what happened last year or two years ago, GAM is money that is traded internally between MLS clubs that can be used to pay down the cost of um, players on the roster. It could be used for transfer fees, and it can also be used for homegrowns. TAM is now what used to be called kind of discretionary spending, which is basically the team can reach into its own money banks um, to pay extra, but the Rapids, as we've always assumed, are you know kind of on the cheaper end of things. They like to keep their roster down below that uh, amount. My math says that roughly the team last year, not including transfer fees, has a a, a budget charge of seven million two hundred and sixteen thousand um, dollars. The cap and gam spend uh, for this last year or this year is 7.1 million. So they're very close to right on um, their spending without having to dip into their um, TAM. I would guess that the Rapids have spent maybe three hundred to $500,000 of TAM on things like transfer fees and to pay players down so they get under the cap. That's, that's where I guess we're at. In other words, the team has millions and millions of dollars left to spend in discretionary funds if they want to, and they probably won't because they never have. Back to you, Matt. Go get Killing Mbappe pork. Okay. <clears throat> so in any case, Alec Gershback, Mark, uh, 25 years old, Australian player, um, started out his career at the youth level with the FFA Center for Excellence, also known as the Australian Institute for Sport. Based on my crude looking into this, folks, think like IMG Academy residency program that they had. Played two years for Sydney FC, one of the big clubs in Australia, Mark. Uh, and then he was in Norway for three years, rode the bench first in France and then in the Netherlands. And then in Denmark, uh, he played for FC Aarhus, Mark, former Danish club of former Colorado Rapid, who left the club uh, after getting a certain medical procedure that wasn't completely necessary because he was out after Anthony Hudson got fired. Benny Fellhaber. Benny Fellhaber, yes. Um, obviously <laughs> didn't play at him at the same time. And then most recently has been a semi-regular starter for Grenoble. Um middle-ish table team in the second division in France. They are on the outside looking at a promotion mark, but doesn't look like they're going to get there. So they're safe from relegation, unlike Bronby. Uh, but also they have a player who is out of contract. So just like with Maxu, why not get a meager transfer fee for a guy and then bring somebody else in and try to rebuild for next season? whilst uh you know not letting a player uh walk on a free transfer so i have to imagine mark any transfer fee for this guy is certainly um you know much much smaller than what's been reported for ronan and certainly what i have reported on what the rapids likely played for max sue but if we're looking at his pedigree coming out of australia a number of australian outlets thought that at one point as a teenager with sydney fc that he was the left back of the future obviously the Socceroos program at the men's level has kind of undergone a little bit of a revolution the last cycle and a half it's a lot more dual nationals it's a lot of guys based in europe or absolute studs who are playing in the a-league and it's a decent number of guys in the scottish premiership mark mostly who have dual nationalities so if you're talking about the two left backs that were with the Socceroos and guitar ahead of him they were starters on first division teams in more well-regarded european leagues than the second division in france that being said 
Uh, Richard Fleming, who's uh, who reported out of uh, a source that he had um, at Fleming Sports on Twitter, um, loves to get forward, super cross from the ball, and occasionally suspect positionally. Still young enough to make it though. So, Mark, this is screaming a little bit more wing backy to me, which I'm totally fine with from an attacking standpoint. If the center back situation is certainly much improved, but again, maybe leaning towards the Rapids going back three, and then maybe three five two or three four three in this situation, and then again a number of outlets and people who looked at him locally who had nothing but good things to say lots of good stuff from Wolves folks on Connor Ronan nothing but wonderful things to say from the folks at Bronby and a lot of the outlets that would have covered Gershback when he was playing in Australia or with the youth national team certainly have good things to say about him Gershback is capped four times for the senior Socceroos folks um, but he wasn't super involved um uh, in uh, the past cycle, his last actual appearance for them was in a friendly in October of 2018. I don't know, Mark, that this move does anything for him in terms of revitalizing his national team career. There was some pushback from Irish national team Twitter on Connor Ronan going here, Mark, which I and a number of other MLS has promptly pointed out. There's a former captain and the highest scoring Irish player of all time, Robbie Keane, who was captain in the LA Galaxy winning MLS Cups and MLS. I think if it's playing regularly, Ronan could get back in with Ireland. I don't know that Gershback is getting back in. And obviously, um, Denmark with where they are from a center back standpoint, um, I'm not sure that's something that Max Sue is focusing too much on. Rabbi, your thoughts on this third and final and comprehensive signing now that the Rapids finally have a left back. Yeah, that that's a really interesting point. I think we'd all been trying to figure out what the team was going to do at left back without with the internal options that they had since things were kind of felt like they were coming together late. Um, trying to figure out whether uh, Stephen Betashore was still an option to start at that position. Trying to figure out whether Sebastian Anderson who has played at that position before might swing over to their of course, Anthony Markanic had played at the spot a few times this year. Nobody was really compelling or exciting at that position, and therefore a lot of the Rapids' uh, options seemed to be maybe trying Brian Galvan uh, at that position. He played at left wing back a couple times uh, before his knee injury, but of course... Um, Galvan is probably better as an attacker. He's really, really wonderful in the final third. Um, his defense was suspect, shall we say. Um, so we needed someone who could really, truly defend on the left side and was under the age of 36, which is where Stephen Beish were at, uh, is at. So that's Alex Gershbach, um, or Gershbach, we'll find out uh, soon. Uh, I think we should be pretty excited about him but also a little bit unsure of, again, we're looking very much like we've got two players on the roster, Gersbach and Maxu, who are going to get penciled or even put into ink into the starting lineup on day one, having never played a minute of Major League Soccer. So the adjustment period is real. Many players in MLS don't really settle in until July um, and some take a full calendar year to kind of get adjusted to the league. And so that's a little bit worrisome. But on the other hand, you know, if it takes a little while for these guys to settle in and they're not linchpin essential uh, players for the team and they can just do a job and be solid this year and really shine next year, that's great. Um, I think the other thing is we're looking at the totality of this lineup 
We've got a number of players who are hoping to bounce back from injury-prone years like Jack Price. We've got a player coming off of a career year. That's Diego Rubio. So the questions there are, can he repeat it? We've got a player who's kind of an average MLS goalkeeper at this stage of the game, William Yarborough, and we're hoping for a little bit more out of him. Um, And then we've got a number of young players on the come up who we really hope can shine this year and display that this is the year of their coming to fruition, their, their full maturity. Jonathan Lewis is one of those guys. He, he's dangerous in attack, but he doesn't hit the back of the net all the time. Um, Darren Yappi is one of those guys. He's young and exciting, but whether he's really the guy is a good question. And Cole Bassett is one of those guys. Bassett, only 21 years old, off a failed stint in Europe. So we've just got so many redemption stories here and uncertainties and uh, rebound stories. And is it all going to come together? And are Gersbach, Maxo, and Ronan going to be critical contributors? Or are they just going to be pieces on a team that is not quite up to snuff for 2023? We'll do a full uh, preview of the season um, in a few weeks, folks, when it's a little bit closer. But right now, um, some players have been slotted in who answer some questions, but like I just mentioned, there are still a heck of a lot of questions left on this roster. Yeah, nothing else that I have to say on that, Mark. Uh, do we want to briefly, I, I don't know that we want to break down who Patrick Pence as a player was, given ultimately he didn't sign with the Raptors. We, we don't, he ain't coming here. We don't, we, we were going to get a goalkeeper. We didn't get a goalkeeper. Now we don't have a goalkeeper. We have to find a third goalkeeper. Yeah, um, and I don't know, what's <laughs> what's going on with uh, Oliver Simliu? What's he doing in preseason training, I guess is a good question there, Rabbi. I guess I and just, I don't... We, really quick, Matt, we've got 10 international players currently on the roster. We either have to make some, some green card magic happen or move some players, um, and Semeli would be the 11th on the international roster, uh, uh, who would take up an international slot. We only have nine um, international um, slots available, so... Um, something's got to give before before we uh, before we break camp. Sorry, to interrupt you, Matt. No, good stuff there. You know, I guess the the one thing I'll say on Pence Mark is I don't I, I can't blame a player when you're ready to get a move done and then an actual opportunity at some playing time in the Bundesliga or at the very least Bundesliga money as opposed to backup MLS relatively cheap MLS team money and everything. I can't really fault a player for choosing that and everything. I guarantee you folks, regardless of the state of holding the high line, that if the athletic offered me quadruple the money that I had ever made on any of this stuff or that I was going to make with Burgundy Wave, I'm gone. Burgundy Wave is dead. I'm writing stuff for the athletic. Please subscribe to the athletic. Go cat, go take that money and go. And that's the thing I was going to say that when, with regard to Ronan and Gersbach, uh, in regard to their, their, their international, uh, careers, right? Like you only have so many years as a professional athlete. You got to get paid now, right? Like get your money. I don't think Gersbach and Ronan's agents were talking about their national team chances being affected by them being 3000 miles away from their home international or in Gersbach's, uh, case 9,000 miles away from his international team. I think they were thinking the money's good. The checks won't bounce. Let's go. Right. And MLS is a really good league to kind of grow your, um, your portfolio and your career. It's a great place for an international player to kind of make a name for himself and, and establish himself. And it's a great country to live in. I quite like this, this America of ours. Um, what with the funnel cakes and the French fries, and the really good pizza in most cities, Pittsburgh not included. 
Anything else we want to talk about, Rabbi? Am I forgetting anything, or shall we get out of here? Matt, uh, I'll tell them we're we're kind of rounding out the show differently now since we don't have a sponsor at the end of the show. But why don't I uh, tell them our handles and you tell them uh, where to read our written content? You can find our friend Matt at L W O S Matt Pollard, and you can find me online at Twitter at soccer underscore rabbi. You can interact with us there. You can also email us and contact us and read our written material. Tell them how to do that, Matt. Yeah, so you can check out all of our collective written work, folks, now at Picks for Soccer Now at holdingthehighline.substack.com, burgundywave.com, and last word on sports. And then, of course, if you want to email us, rapids96podcast at gmail.com, and then send us your questions using the hashtag AskHTHL. Probably still in a little bit of limbo, folks, but I'll, I'll say comfortably two weeks out from the start of the season, we'll go back to being full weekly and everything, obviously previewing that game against the Sounders and then certainly doing our proper full um, uh, pre uh, season preview and everything with 11 questions that could define the 2023 Colorado Rapids season and everything. So thank you all for listening. Thank you for the support. Rabbi, it is fantastic that we've made it to five years and everything, you know, long live holding the high line. I think it was so spectacular that uh you know that i looked this up because i had the thought listeners that i wanted to replay the pilot just to show you how much we've come as a podcast from recording in a basement off of one device no real high-tech technology or editing mark and i still figuring out how to actually talk to each other (laughs) in terms of uh the rhythm of when one is about to be finished speaking and everything just for that perspective but then it was okay well we can podcast today because finally all the signings happened and everything gershback happened today so we're not going to get pipped on that becoming official later this week and i looked and it's like oh when can we record can we do it on monday because it's our 50 year anniversary so it's fantastic thank you all for even one person any person who's listened to even one episode of this mindless dribble that we go on for an hour plus and everything <laughs> it's been absolutely fantastic i'm glad that we've made it to five years mark most people don't make it five years covering this team or even being season ticket holders and everything so uh in five years hopefully we get to a decade mark at some point i hope that we can record a podcast where we can say if holding the highlight was a person that person could go into the bulldog and order a beer on that note listeners we'll see you next week peace